dark side. Light this bitch up. What is up, everybody? My name is James D. Fiore, and this is Blackballed. It has been a while since we have done a show that circumnavigates around the dossier known as the Klondike Papers. But if you're like me and you've read the Klondike Papers and you feel like you need a secret decoder ring to find all these stories, you're not alone. Um, but today, we have a guest who really needs no introduction. I'll give him one anyways. He is the host of a show that's going to be debuting on the Cryer Media Network in, I think, about two weeks. Finally, it's been a long time coming. And that show is called The Fix. And he is with us today to unearth one of the craziest stories inside that dossier. And it, it is so crazy that I am a little bit tentative to even intro it. So instead... Let's welcome to the show, my friend and yours. His name is David Wallace. David, how are you, buddy? Cheers. So, listen, um, the Klondike papers are are still kind of lingering around. And the, the interesting thing about it, and I've said this before, uh, the way that it was released, it was like a jigsaw puzzle that you had to sort of understand what the final picture in the assembled puzzle looked like in order to find the pieces to create little puzzles that turned out to be the stories that were inside the dossier. Uh, there are, and, 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 and it's kind of a blessing in disguise in a lot of ways because there are still stories that are coming out of, of the Klondike papers. And tonight, we have one of them. And honestly, like when you sent it to me, I was looking at it. I read it over. It's like a 20-page sort of section of the Klondike Papers assembled from the communications between yourself and others. And I read it, and I, I was like, this, this is crazy. <laughs> this is one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. To the point where I'm like, I'm not even sure if I understand it yet. So let's start the show as if I am deaf, dumb, and blind, and you tell us what story it is that we are talking about tonight. Well, it's uh, the time I decided that it might be a little more convenient to do some of this work if I had my own bank. Um, so an opportunity presented itself um, at an opportune time when I was engaged on another job um, in Alberta. And from that point forward, um, the pursuit of a bank in Turks um, took place. Okay. Now, Turks and Caicos, is that a tax-sheltered area? Is that like a Cayman Islands type place? It's a very friendly place. Okay. Now, what was the purpose of trying... Because basically, you were trying to put the players together in order to purchase this bank that was being liquidated, correct? That's correct. Um, the, uh, it was actually the National Bank uh, charter that had come up, um, which was even better. It gives that air of legitimacy. Um, one of the biggest problems I've had over the decades um, when I would have opportunities was my clients had no place to um, 
how do you say it? Um, no place to uh, move their funny money uh, in and out. Um, now I'd found some workarounds and the last one I'd had was a crazy European who operated off of a old uh, Navy vessel, I believe from the Soviet Union until he got blown up by some pirates. Um, so this was, I thought, the Wait, better way to go. Well, only, only you would have a story where the aside was some guy got blown up by pirates. Oh, he lived. Just yeah. his, just his boat. Of course he did. His money. Yeah. Some people, I guess. But um, I wasn't there. Um, but a bank seemed really appealing. And when I ran it past um, certain people in the community, um, they loved the idea as well. Um, when I was being uh, uh, utilized for a source as a foreign intelligence by the horsemen, um, it, uh, it piqued their interest. And from there, I uh, had a firm uh, ability to move forward to purchase the bank charter. Okay. And how were you going to go about purchasing the bank? Well, I was going to use some of the RCMP's money um, as uh, well. I'm sure they would find it somewhere. They were extremely interested in exchange for um, intelligence, foreign sources of intelligence. This wasn't actionable intelligence. The problem was the RCMP had confided in me that they had for a very long time um, become extremely concerned about the transparency and lack of uh, cooperation with CSIS. Um, they believed that what they were getting, uh, what they were putting in the hopper, so to speak, to go up to CSIS um, was being thrown in the wastebasket and uh, our foreign intelligence had fallen on its ass. They wanted their own eyes and ears. So in exchange for providing that, um, they were interested in providing me with financing. So did they want to be involved in this bank purchase where funny money would be parked in order to keep an eye on the people who, who had the funny money? They wanted to have this as an intelligence outpost simply because they were extremely concerned um, with other unrelated matters. Because again, this is what happens. All this stuff goes into a hopper. There are file names, there are code names, there are Everything is done to ensure the source's uh, confidentiality and, and anonymity. Um, they wanted the ability to gather strong intelligence because the intelligence that they were gathering was indicating to them that we were, well, we were under attack by foreign governments. And um, so we were trying to open up another set of pioneers for, for our, our country. Okay, recap what you just said and put it in lay terms. Um, you, you wanted to facilitate the purchase of a bank in Turks and Caicos. Yes. In, in order for two things to happen. One is so that clients of yours could park their money there. Mm -hmm. And then the second prong would be so that the RCMP could uh, have an outpost so that they could monitor intelligence that they could trust more than the intelligence that they were receiving at the time absolutely how does that math work like how how is it that the, the those two entities your clients and the rcmp can be in bed together 
at the oh, they're all in bed together. I mean, this is how things get done. Criminals are allowed to operate on our shores 24 7, 365. It just depends which criminals and uh, what intelligence value they may have to this country. It works the same way in all countries. Okay. Now, how did the the deal was progressing? Yes. Okay. And give me an idea. Uh, listen, I ju- just want to tell my audience, especially the people that are watching, I have the dossier in front of me. I didn't have time to properly redact it. Okay, because I don't want to like put anyone on blast, especially there are certain key individuals that, uh, you know, that I know personally, even that that I just don't want to like make their life a little bit more difficult. We will uh, I, I will release an article in the next com- in the coming, you know, two or three days that will include redacted versions of the communications that are in the Klondike papers pertaining to this story. Now, give me the process. What was the process like? Who did you try to get the money from? Who was in Turks and Caicos facilitating the deal? And before it goes awry, just tell me how it progressed when things were still looking good. Okay. Um, See, it's important to realize that everybody had their own agenda, and I had my own, obviously. Um, The people. What was was your agenda, so people know? My agenda was to open the bank, have um, people put their money in, gather intelligence, that intelligence would be flipped to the Canadian government via the RCMP. Mm. And um, it was going to be a very uh, uh, unique relationship, but... uh, But you wanted to make money too, right? Like, I don't want to make it seem like, you know, you were just like the Robin Hood of intelligence, right? Like, Well, I like to make the money, but I like to give it away. I mean, if you've got the financial records in the Klondike papers, it's pretty clear. It all started, and this is a little bit convoluted, but it all started um, during the Patrick Brown takedown. That was a foreign um, assisted um, takedown. People keep looking at the Klondike papers and adding one plus one coming up with two. They believe that Russian government interests um, had a hand in taking down Patrick Brown. That's not true. Um, it wasn't the Russians who helped take him down. In fact, they were they were quite upset. They were developing. This is, again, keep in mind, pre-COVID, uh, pre-sanctions. Um, so there's nothing untoward at this point that I'm suggesting. Okay. What I'm saying is that uh, they viewed Brown as a moderate. Uh, also, they viewed him as an avenue where maybe reciprocal trade, uh, things of this nature could take place. So it was not advantageous for Russia to assist in Brown's takedown. The problem was the casinos that were laundering money, which were Brown's ultimate downfall, Great Canadian Gaming, owned at the time by uh, uh, Bloomberg Sen, which is Sanjay Sen and uh, Mulroney's son-in-law. And that company was owned almost wholly by Burgundy Asset Management, which is the chin. And Carolyn Mulroney was also an employee there, correct? Well, yeah. And uh, here's the thing. And and Brian's Burgundy Asset Management at the time owned the whole shooting match. But the money from great Canadian gaming was going through Chinese gangs. And a lot of this stuff was going straight back to Beijing. You see, that was where the problem lied. It was a casino turf war. You got Russian interest and, and, and the other regular mafia criminal element casino money and now you got the big chinese running everything through their uh triads and the gangs everybody who they have in a leash i mean no matter how big and bad you are you got to kick back to the dragon that's how it works and a lot of this was detailed in sam cooper's book willful blindness 
Absolutely. You see, at the time I was contacted by a, a, a gentleman named Gord Brown. You know who Gord was. Um, Gord was the MP for uh, Granville Leeds, I believe it was. He also chaired the intelligence committee that was tasked with keeping Canadian politicians safe. Um, Gord and I became acquainted during the Brown thing, and um, we got involved in uh, my concerns and Gord asked me to plug some people in, in Moscow. I took him to the expat bar, a place called uh, Papa's Pizza, which is owned by a Canadian. Um, I got him in the circle, eyes and ears. This was uh, to gather information, but we had a real problem. And that problem was coming from the People's Republic of China. Um, Gord Brown was a hero. He kept... He kept Canadians safe, whether they were liberals, whether they were conservatives, whether they were New Democrats. It was his job to make sure that people like the Tony Clement situation uh, or blackmail or things of that nature or threats of violence against our Canadian politicians were to take place. It was Gord's job quietly to make sure that um, our intelligence committees and our policing bodies uh, neutralize that threat. And to tell you the truth, the, since the day Gord has died, we've been open season. Hmm. Open season. But I made a promise, and I followed those threads all the way to Alberta and uh, spent years of my life trying to put this together. We found the initial thread after it was passed to a uh, Canadian fixer, war rooms, calm guy, didn't even know he was taking it from, didn't know that he was betraying his own country. And took that crap to Michael Cook at the Star, who was the editor. Who they wouldn't run it, their lawyers. Ended up in CTV and Lisa Laflamme, and off to the races. Down goes Brown, and in goes the new puppet, Doug Ford. Okay, so um, just so listeners aren't confused, what uh, about the uh, the Ford premiership? How is that one of the first dominoes on the Turks and Caicos bank? Well, when all this was going down, um, a lot of foreign cash started flowing in, cash that didn't have any real origin. Um, a lot of that cash came through uh, financial institutions, um, Mennonites, things of that nature, whatever the hell you want to call them, Hutterites, uh, religious organizations like the Brethren. That money was being washed constantly through these uh, action committees that they were putting together. A lot of that money that was uh, being washed was actually coming from places like Russia and China um, and extremist groups that were uh, being funded. These were these were operations against our country by foreign actors. This is uh, big time stuff. Um, during the course of this, um, I became acquainted also with a Bud Cummins, uh, former district uh, attorney, I believe he was for the DOJ that that was released about Mr. Cummings. Uh, Mr. Cummings worked for Mr. Giuliani, which is how I made the acquaintance of uh, Michael Yurkovich, who had uh, required some help due to an argument with a gangster, the biggest gangster in the world, a gentleman named uh, Ihor Kolomoisky. Okay, wait, let me, alleged let me, gangster. Let me stop. Let me stop you right there, because because you're 
you know this shit inside out, but my, if the listener is joining us, he'd be like, I, what, Michael Cook, Yurkovich, Koyla Moisky, what's going on here? So let's let's try to simplify it for all the kids, right? There's, a, there's a lot of moving parts, but... Yeah. Uh... So the Russian money is coming in, and it's yes. coming in through things like developers. It's getting washed, allegedly, in uh, certain communities and casinos and things like that. Yeah, we're, we're building highways, and um, I mean, wow. You know, Ontario Place, uh, which... Don't get me wrong, it's going to turn into one giant honeypot of a casino, yeah. which I've told everybody was the plan since 2018. Mm -hmm. It's uh, uh, I remember that. I actually, I, I remember that being one of the big things that uh, that didn't come out of the Patrick Brown story was that that was eventually going to happen. No, it, it was. Uh, this was all about money, and it was all about foreign influence, and it was since day one, and it's going on now. Um, you know, Gord was just about to take action. Uh, Gord had uh, that information. I know that Gord Brown gathered was forwarded to CSIS. And there was a individual in the sitting government who was passing along information, sensitive information to an individual in Alberta. And that information was going straight back to communist China. Wow. And that individual is still unknowingly passing along information because it's going through a conduit. That individual in government isn't uh, guilty themselves. He's a, he's a useful idiot. He's a useful idiot who is passing on the information in confidence to a family member during private discussions, which he believes is safe. Okay. Um, let's get back to, to Michael Yurkovich. Who is he? And how does, what's his role? Here's a picture of me. Who is he and what's his role in all of this? And, and let, hold on. Let, me, let, me, let me be specific yeah. so that listeners aren't confused. Um, again, the topic is uh, you were helping to facilitate the purchase of a bank in Turks and Caicos that was being liquidated for the purpose of being able to park the money for some of your clients and also so that the RCMP would have an outpost to collect intelligence. How does Michael Yurkovich fit in and who is he? Um, Michael Yurkovich fits in because he had a big pile of money that he wanted to put into play by buying uh, Colt uh, rifles in Canada, um, some other defense manufacturers, um, a Russian hockey team, you name it. Michael had owned infrastructure, uh, energy infrastructure in the Ukraine, which he had ultimately um, come into dispute with the Eeyore Kolomoisky over and had hired me to introduce him to uh, uh, some people who could help him retrieve his property. Uh, during the course of this, Mr. Yurkovich expressed interest and uh, I offered him the services of a potential bank, which he was willing to partially finance uh, to do his deals. Okay. And Yurkovich is a dual citizen between uh, Ukrainian and Canadian, isn't he? I believe so. Yes. Okay. And so, Okay, so Mike, uh, so Yurkovich says I'm interested. Um, you know, uh, he was going to put what fifty million. In? Yeah, something like that. It changed every couple of days how much he'd put in. It's all in the emails. Okay, um, and again, I will post uh, the, the, the pieces of the Klondike papers that pertain to this story in a subsequent article in the next couple of days. Okay, so now you're at the point where you have the bank; it's being liquidated. You have a potential buyer, right? 
Yes. Now give me the give me the the the, the cake. Like what what happened after that? Because because uh, ultimately this purchase didn't go through. No, and we were there. It was uh, we were just about to take it across the finish line. And during the course of this, I've picked up a side job as a favor. Uh, somebody called me and asked me if I would speak with Gerald Chapor. And uh, the rest is history. Mr. Richard Marsh. Um, once I told him that he needed to speak with the RCMP and gave him the names. And it became public when Richard Marsh released a recorded phone call between myself and his friend Karat Singh, Dr. Karat Singh in Edmonton, mm -hmm. um, about the kidnapping attempt. Um, the RCMP dropped everything. Okay, so I just want to translate what you just said. So the deal is 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 it's possible to go through, but then the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church um, asked you to basically, basically, allegedly, uh, what, what essentially amounts to kidnapping allegedly allegedly um that well it was to locate and then it evolved into places i wasn't willing to go right and when you informed the rcmp about this and i think it was you and nathan jacobson that worked together on on informing the, the rcmp mm -hmm. the rcmp then just mysteriously decided to back out of the bank deal i was told uh, by my guy shit's hit the fan I don't know who this marsh is. I don't know what it means. I don't know who you pissed off, but this is done. It's all being shut down. I'm sorry. Now, so that that is interesting because every time I think of something that happens that where the brethren get involved and then all of a sudden authorities stop doing their job or or at least stop going down whatever path they were going in this particular case, um, you say that they were going to be involved in this bank so that they could use that as an intelligence outpost. But then you decide to, to sort of uh, let the RCMP know, hey, this, this cult, the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, is asking me to basically take another human being and hand him over. And there's no actual um, criminal activity from this human being, even though former Prime Minister Stephen Harper's attorney and the former general counsel of the Conservative Party of Canada, Gerald Shapur, had told you that Richard Marsh was wanted, basically, essentially. There was warrants out for his arrest, which turned out not to be true. Now, are we to glean from this that Gerald Shapur is the power behind that circumstance and behind the RCMP backing out? Because when we talk about the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church... And we talk about how, like in this particular case, it is really interesting that uh, once you mentioned, you know, what the Plymouth Brethren wanted you to do and brought that to the RCMP, that the RCMP would back out of this totally different thing. Is that Gerald Shapur's fingerprints or is that something else, you think? That's uh, whoever it was. They were a heavy, heavy, heavyweight. I mean, it yeah. was... Uh, because it, when I first brought it up, they said, yeah, absolutely. We're, we'll, we'll contact Marsh. And uh, then wasn't, you know, they said they'd run it up the flagpole. It wasn't more than two hours later that I got the phone call that it was done. Just like that. Why was the RCMP so um, important for this deal? If Yurkovich was ready to, to fork over tens of millions of dollars for the bank. The important component was that uh, well, it served a very needed purpose we're we're wide open right now we're we're defenseless we're we're we do not have a united intelligence network that is acting in best interests of canadians this is just a fact gord suspected it 
the RCMP, RCMP not only suspects it, they know it. We are in trouble. We are blind. We are not getting information. We are not getting real active intelligence. We're getting bullshit. And we're getting people bearing things. And it was the right thing to do. You can you can make money and try to do the right thing too. Look, what what difference does it make if these guys are moving money, washing cash? Look, this is how the game is played. The RCMP, I'm sure, figured it's better to know what is going on within our own borders or potentially will go on or what the people within our own borders are doing on the international stage mm. than it is to be blind. And it's vital. I mean, you know, the RCMP probably runs a lot of operations that I'm not aware of. I don't a few that I was, where uh, friendly banks can come in really handy. This is no way unique. Do you think that, um, so So was the idea that the RCMP's involvement would act as like a protective veneer? For of the course. People? Okay. I mean, they're not going to be publicly acknowledged as partners, but, right. uh, you know, it also acts as a shield. Because if you're doing something, you're monitoring, I mean, you know, they're not going to pop you. Yeah. Not until it suits their purpose, but that wasn't the objective of the operation. It was to watch and wait, gather. Would the intelligence that the RCMP was hoping to gather uh, a, a result of the people like the Yurkoviches of the world who would be involved in the bank? Like, would they ha would they even know that the RCMP was involved? Would would someone like Yurkovich have known? No, not at all. The only person who was really in possession of all the um, facts during the deal's formation was me, of course. I mean, everybody else is looking at it as a money-making opportunity. And to be fair to them, there's nothing illegal about buying a bank chart. You can see through some of the communications, the proposed individual to run it uh, was looking to do everything on the up and up strictly legal. And he would have until I fired him and got rid of him, replaced him with somebody to do whatever the hell I wanted him to do. <laughs> well, I've never seen David Wallace power trip, but we just well, I, I, it's, I had no interest in opening, owning a bank. I had interest in having access to a bank. Right. Um, give me the, there's an Alberta angle to this, isn't there? Yes. And it has to do with the, um, with the Nenshi job. Yes, it does. So the Nenshi job, just to remind people, um, David uh, was work, and, and I'm not going to name these people because there's subsequent lawsuits that have happened since the first time that we talked about this on this podcast. But there are, there were people um, that were um, hoping that you could facilitate foreign money coming in and having Nenshi sort of go along with foreign money coming in funding developers in the city of Calgary and then Nenshi didn't take the bait and then that job was killed what did that do to this situation well it made it difficult because some of the people involved in trying to put together other deals um, had animosity with each other of course and it had the potential to upset everybody's apple cart. You had a lot of moving parts. You had the uh, disputes uh, within this group of people about the UCP identity theft. Mm -hmm. um, you had disputes with people on a personal issue, i.e. the Nenshi job. Um, it made operating extremely difficult. So peace proposals were put together. And of course, it just blew up further. That's how they figured in. It was supposed to be a uh, let's everybody uh, um, 
put down our swords and, and get along for the cause, so to speak. Okay. Is there a reason why Yurkovich decided not to go through with purchasing the bank? Oh, Yurkovich was all for it. But I mean, if you look inside the Klondike papers and the documents, you see by that point, unbeknownst to us, Yurkovich was communicating directly with Russian officials, the right. personal secretary for Deputy Prime Minister Chernyshenko, and requesting assistance in killing Ihor Kolomoisky um, and uh, Zelensky in the Ukraine. This is prior to the war, of course, in 2019, 2020. But those emails are there where he's actually asking for Russian government assistance in the 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 uh, assassination of a foreign national. Uh, I mean, this guy was all kinds of wrong for me. Okay, give me not to mention he wanted me to hack off Nathan uh, Jacobson's leg and arm, bring it to him before <laughs> lunch or before lunch or yeah, some that, such thing. Yeah, that was that was the craziest thing ever in the Klondike papers. Okay. But I think we need to know who this man is. Can you explain who Igor Kolomoisky is for the for for people at home who have never heard of this person? He was uh, he's probably the most uh, powerful man in the Ukraine. Um, he was uh, he owns the television network and pretty much everything else of worth and value in the Ukraine. His uh, he is. Uh, the gentleman that Michael Yurkovich came into dispute with over his power plant, uh, Yurkovich had tried to jack the price on an existing, existing contract uh, um, and ruffled some feathers. So Mr. Kolomoisky just shut off his power plant, which was uh, hooked into Mr. Kolomoisky's facility instead of the main grid. So that's how Mr. Yurkovich came into my sphere to try to mediate the dispute between these two. And, uh, during the course of that, I used uh, Donald Trump's lawyers, Rudy Giuliani and Bud Cummins, to uh, also uh, try to assist in that uh, that manner. Okay, and so I also want people to understand that as far as most uh, geopolitical or whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> experts go, Kolomoisky was largely responsible for the stratospheric rise of this man. President Zelensky of Ukraine. How did that happen? How did this man, uh, Igor Kolomoisky, bring up Zelensky and basically kind of like hand him power? No? Well, these things kind of happen, right? It's, uh, look, don't here's the problem. Don't, don't be coy, David. Don't be coy. No, I mean, <laughs> this is the problem with our world um, right now. And it's probably going to be the driving principle behind the fix where we not just talk about what's taking place, but what is taking place right now, real time. We break down the headlines and we undo the spin and say, this is the situation. These are the players. This is the game. And this is what is really happening in our opinion and provide um, some expert opinions from other people we know to to try to support that or disprove it, whatever. Debate is good. But the problem with this world is this. People see elected leaders and believe that they're actually running everything. That's not how it works. And I don't mean any grand conspiracy. Governments are run by the bureaucracy, the ingrained bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. You have people who don't change addresses every four to five years. Right. They work 
for their entire adult lives until they retire. Those are the people that have been corrupted. Why? Because those are the people you go after. Do you think the Russian government, the, the Chinese uh, government, do you think their intelligence operatives are wasting their time with high-level politicians or MPs? It's stupid. It's counterproductive. You have eyes on. They go after the civil servants. They go after the government that does not leave government ever. That's how they get their tentacles in. And that's why we need to show people how it really works. Our country is being stolen right now. We are being distracted with a left-right paradigm. And that left-right paradigm is being driven largely by foreign actors. And this is a tragedy. We need to educate ourselves. Because without that education, we'll have people screaming for the murder of our prime minister. We'll have a leader in opposition or the leader of the opposition who will cry and scream about foreign interference yet won't even go before the ethics committee to get his clearance because he is as dirty as the day is long. His wife's family are nothing but banana bankers who were raping the country of Colombia in a deal that former Prime Minister Harper set up where they killed Colombians left, right, and center who had the audacity to ask for the ability to have clean drinking water while they were working at the mines and having the stolen wealth extracted and laundered through banks like TD. That's a deal that Stephen Harper set up, the Colombian thing, with the prime ministers uh, Aribe and uh, Santos, criminals and butchers who brought a terrorist organization such as the FARC who murder children into the government and gave them all amnesty because what better way to enjoy a free and just society than to bring the pimps, the thieves, the murderers, and the gangsters into the government officially. That's what we're going to face here. If the Christmas parties were probably pretty track. dope though. <laughs> Look, it, it's, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. we have a government right now that is about to fall. Is it the best government? No, it's not. It's full of holstership, but is it better than the boat that we will be on where a woman's right to choose her body, her choice is no longer on the table? We're going to be living in a bureaucracy run by oligarchs who use a book that has held down humanity since it has been written. People who Bible. don't believe in science, people who don't believe that we as a society, we don't need a, a uh, sorry, we don't need their God to get our salvation. What we need are things like medical science. We are standing as a species on the shoulders of giants. We are capable as human beings of living in a utopia, of being good to each other, where everyone can have. But that doesn't happen because rich men, rich men who control us, and they do it through corporations, they do it through everyday things that we take, take for granted. And then they institute policies that benefit their friends. It's a trickle down effect, right? Reaganomics, he pisses and it falls on your head. That's how it works. But the world is falling apart, not just economically, not just physically itself. I mean, if we don't smarten up and, new, and, and learn a new sustainable way of life where we don't depend 
on burning fossil fuels. I'm not saying it's destroying the planet completely. What I'm saying is it plays a part. We're fracking. If people know what fracking is, okay, yeah. you wouldn't drink any water out of your tap ever again. Okay. I want to go back. I want to circle back to the left right paradigm thing because I think that um, I agree with you. I think that people hear that phrase and, and, they shrug. They, they know what it means, but no one really does anything about it. But I want to I, I want people to understand a couple of things. I it is designed to make people um, divided and to reflexively reject arguments from the other side, even if those arguments are cogent. So one of the things I would I would use as an example, and I, and and if you don't like me for saying this, I think that you are part of this ecosystem, this par this paradigm landscape. When it came to things like the convoy, I was one of those people that was very hesitant to use a broad brush to to villainize all these people that went to Ottawa. Do I think they should have blasted horns? No. Do I think that the the um, the very very anecdotal examples of Nazi paraphernalia was wrong? Of course, right? Do I think that out of all the people that were there, that like that they were all fucking stupid or racist? No, I no. don't. I know progressives that went. I know progressives that went and were like, "Listen, I don't know how to tell you this, but." Like, it wasn't anything like the media was telling you it was like. I'm not saying it was that there weren't some bad apples there. There, of course, there were. But by and large, it was really just people kind of like having a good time. And whether or not you thought they were ignorant is totally irrelevant. And the sim, and so, you know, but it, but it, it led to us villainizing each other even more than we were doing before the pandemic. And, and I found that very troubling. And when I look at someone like Zelensky, Okay, we just spent what a year and four months now, or something, a year and three months, um, watching the war unfold, and it is like this man is like Jesus. You cannot criticize Zelensky. Whenever you find yourself in a pocket of time like that, where there's one person that the media is portraying as infallible, stop what you're doing start reading stuff and and try not to 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 just dismiss criticisms coming from the other side because i'll tell you something the people that uh that uh, you know were not necessarily pro russia but not not at all pro ukraine more like observers rather than waving pom-poms those people last year were talking about things like there were special op forces in the ukraine be in ukraine before the war started and people were like, you're a fucking Russian plant. You're just a propagandist. And then that airman in the United States leaked all of those secret documents. And it turns out not only were there special forces inside, inside Ukraine before the war even started, there were 51 units from four different countries. And 41 of those special ops units were from the United States. And nobody that that called people who pointed that out last year, no one went up to those people and was like, hey, my bad, man. It looks like you were right. And that is how that paradigm cements itself forever because no one's willing to retroactively correct themselves or to give credit to somebody. Why? Because we're so polarized that that guy's the villain. So if that guy says anything that makes Russia look not completely fucking guilty of everything, 
then that guy must be a Russian plant. And it's really making us ignorant. It is it is a massive issue. And I think, I don't think that people are ignorant. Not everybody. I think the problem is that, uh, well, it's um, people. It's easier to fool people than to convince them they've been fooled. Right. Yeah. It's, you just it's that's the problem. The people of the Ukraine, the people of the Ukraine are proud people. These are people who are watching their friends, their family die. Um, these are these are innocent women and children and, and, and men. These are mothers and fathers. And, and uh, I've got all the support in the world for them. But they're a chess piece. And they're a chess piece for a gang of international killers and thieves who are using those tensions, taking advantage of those tensions, to rev things up. That's how war starts. War is an economic driver. That's what it is. And when blood is in the water, the hawks smell it. And the relationships that people in power have with defense contractors certainly doesn't help. But war is good business for all sides, except for the people who have to live on the battlefield. But not just it, the, the but combatants. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You know, like you can say to people, listen, I support the civilians in Ukraine. I hope uh, th- that, you know, that the war ends. You can, you can say all those things and then simultaneously be like, there's a lot of issues with the Zelensky government. You know, there's, there's a, a lot, lot of issues with every government. That's what I'm saying. Every though, right? government. But people are afraid. I know that. But people are afraid. If you if you zone in specifically, you, you apparently you're not allowed to say this. Wow, Russia. Wow, Putin, that evil bastard invaded Ukraine and then go like this. Wow, Ukraine. I really like, you know, Putin's I, I, been I hope, dead I hope, since December and he wasn't making any decisions since last summer. The man is the point, dead. The point I'm trying to make, the point I'm trying to make is that if we continue to have this reflex where any criticism against the quote good guys are is seen as propaganda on behalf of the bad guys oh fuck off like like what's the point in even talking if if that's the way that we're going to treat each other there are good guys james but the problem is the problem is the people who were elected to do their jobs are running against that wall that i described the ingrained the ingrained civil servants, the ingrained government, so to speak, and the apparatus that builds up around it, communication comms. Do you know how easy it is simply to withhold information while you're doing your job? Nothing else, but something, a vital piece that you may come across that doesn't make its way up the chain in the ecosystem. And imagine a mass, mass of people doing the same thing. You don't get a complete picture. That's where corruption creeps in. This is where the bribery creeps in. This is business. There are two groups right now, two. And the recent fallout between Patrick Brown and uh, Modi, the PM, will demonstrate this. Even though they're personal friends, great friends, they had a falling out. And that's being driven by which camps they sit in. Because right now we have a full-scale war taking place between progressives and corporations. Corporations, you need to understand, are international. They don't know any borders or boundaries. And we're talking about corporate old energy guard. We're talking keeping us enslaved through oil and gas, um, 
you know, this entire thing. Now you have other people on the other side who are swinging for green, green, green. What people don't understand is a lot of that push is coming from the same oligarchs who have the oil and gas, because what does it take to make electricity? Well, it takes coal, goddammit. Lots and lots of coal, which is the filthiest substance you can burn. What I'm saying is, is we have businessmen who are trying to carve us up with free thinkers, real thinkers that are out there, want us to progress past this limited way of life where we work nine to five, where we hate each other based on color, creed, religion, sexuality. It's a paradigm they lock us into. And people who have true beliefs, there are real conservatives. There are real liberals. There, there really are Democrats and Republicans. But the problem is both sides are infested with businessmen and women who could give a fuck about their party or their country. And the quiet hypocrisy that that produces. Like, when, again, I'm sorry that I keep on using this as an example, but I, I think people have to stop waving pom-poms, okay? Yeah. But because it was last year, maybe it was even longer than that. I, I don't remember. No, you know, it was last September, I believe. When Joe Biden sat there and said that he was going, if Russia continues to be aggressive in Ukraine, he would take out the Nord Stream pipeline. He fucking said it. He admitted it in a press conference. And then, like two months later, the Nord Stream pipeline was bombed and sabotaged. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, well, it was obviously Russia who apparently bombed their own bank account for some stupid reason, right? And, and no one wanted to, and people called Seymour, I had Seymour Hirsch, a fucking legendary reporter, a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter, used to be from the New Yorker, New York Times. He's like 85, I think now or whatever. He's the one that wrote about that story. It was all over the place in Europe, but in North America, people were like, oh, what a kook. <laughs> And then you had people like uh, Justin Ling and others who were saying like, oh, well, no one takes him seriously anymore. And it's just like, shut up. Like, imagine, if, imagine if Putin was like this. Well, if, uh, if the United States can, continues to supply arms to Ukraine, I am going to bomb imperial oil. I don't know, whatever. Like, give me an American oil company. I don't know, whatever that is. And then two months later, it's bombed. Imagine the media going, well, clearly it wasn't Putin who admitted that he was going to do it. Like Everyone would be like, where the fuck are we? What planet are we on? But they so, think we're stupid. That's why the first thing they, they did was buy media. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I hate to break it to people, but I'm, I'm really sorry to tell you this. But be, just because Putin is, is evil, and he is, that doesn't mean that all of the players that represent the power structure on the other side of that war are all fucking angels who are infallible and will fucking go to heaven in bodily form because they're so great. Guys, there's no real good guys in war. There's usually just a side that's worse than the other. But it is a NATO war now. Now that we found out that four different countries from NATO had 51 different units of special operations happening inside Ukraine. It was a NATO war before Russia even invaded. I'm sorry. That's on that. I'm sorry that it's inconvenient that, that this has, but the reason why I'm even mentioning this is to chisel away at this idea that David, you mentioned, I think it's a good point, point that people news, but it's still very current because no one's doing anything about that whole left, right paradigm. 
our media nothing, is nothing. stuck in that left right paradigm our people are the citizens are everybody is and it's, everybody it's is. weapon and it's weaponized by the corporations and the international corporate interests yep um that 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 help fan the flames of that division you know what's terrifying i'll tell you what's terrifying during the convoy if you were privy to certain inside information and we had a guy on the protection detail so we knew what was going on they didn't give a fuck about people honking horns and the bullshit the problem is they really believed someone was going to take a shot at them an actual shot because they know their own intelligence network is riddled with filth and holes and they can't trust it and that people are basically fighting them tooth and nail every step of the way there were actually that was what was going on at certain points that's why the panic the the uh, and when provincial police when that help was requested well there was no help coming from that section and you could hardly understand why tell tell everyone why well because the entire ford regime was propped up and created by a foreign government and it was done so so a steady steady stream of highways and casinos could continue to kick off profits that could be shipped back back home hmm. that's how it works well, we've been it? bought and sold and chopped into a million pieces the people who entrust you entrust the safety of yourself, your mothers, your fathers, your children too are corrupt. And if they're not corrupt, they're extremely incompetent and they lack a spine. Or they're and out because of, the of that, because of that, we right now are on the verge of a civil war pitting Canadians. Conservatives aren't bad. Liberals aren't bad. New Democrats aren't bad. Policies that I may disagree with, that you may disagree with, and we all have a personal choice of which party we would like, but parties used to work together. They used to come together for the betterment of Canadians. And instead, we've descended into tribalism, and that tribalism is the result of the fire that has been burning and the flames that are being fanned by places like Post Media, by Fox Media, by CNN, both sides, because they're all owned by the same people. Yeah. And people don't understand that when you're polarized and you got the left here and you got the right here and they are squished inside their boxes, corruption has a big laneway to go right through the middle. Absolutely. You Divide know? and conquer. This is yeah. how it's done. Invasions and the destruction of civilizations almost never happens from outside. It always starts inside their own walls. That's where you start you eat away at the sovereignty and the security of a nation like a cancer from the inside Listen, that's how I, guys like us like me you see this world you don't believe it when you're working in it but then you do work for basically all of them you do work for prime ministers and presidents and vice presidents and shakes and you find out that these guys who own everything well they're own too and yeah. the shit that People just don't hear about it's it's terrifying. There's a reason why many decades ago tax loopholes for the rich spread like wildfire across this planet. And it's absolutely. not because they're good people. <laughs> you know, like absolutely. Um, listen, your show it is it, it's been a long time coming. Uh, but I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking that 
the timing for when it's going to launch and that's the fix is actually better now than it would have been last year. I, I think that like in, in a couple of weeks when, when you start your podcast, I'm going to be there with you, I think for the first couple, at least, right. Just to sort of like, uh, you know, um, I don't even know why I'm you're the producer. You got to steer it. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, I was going to go ahead and do my own because Cryer has been very busy um, and I've been busy. So we lost communication. I was going to go ahead on my own, but Dean uh, uh, assured me that we've got a firm launch date in two weeks. We had some exciting news. We had uh, Charles Adler added to the network, which is yep. massive win. It's, it's incredible. I'm looking forward to this. Um, as your producer, and there's, there's David, some people who've helped, and I'm going to acknowledge them when the show launches, and yeah. uh, you know things like this microphone and equipment, and uh, a lot of help coming from, from very good people, and I appreciate it a great deal. No, well, no worries. And as your producer, I expect to be paid in state secrets. Ah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> All right, David. Wallace, I don't think I've been current. Yeah, no, I know. Um, thank you for joining us, man. I'll call you later on tonight, and we'll we'll gap. Okay. Have a, Have a good one, sir. That was a fun conversation. I know it's, it start. It, it, I didn't expect to go to that place, but as soon as he said left, right paradigm, um, I get sucked in like, uh, you know, like, uh, like when a meth head finds a piece of white, something on a floor with a flashlight, I'm just like right in that shit. So, uh, yeah, the, the fix is going to be so dope. He's probably just going to eclipse everyone on this network. Charles Adler is going to be number one for a day. And then David Wallace's podcast is going to launch. And it's just going to be a juggernaut. Um, but I'm really happy that he joined us. Tomorrow's casual Friday. Uh, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I feel like I got to revamp casual Friday a little bit. The viewership has gone down a couple times since the time that Starlink fucked me. And then last week, uh, the Jenny episode, which I thought was hilarious for at least the first 45 minutes. Uh, you know, the viewership saying, so I'm going to revamp it. I don't even know how yet, but I'll figure something out. And then, uh, you know, and then we'll have a show. Uh, Next week, I have Linwood Barkley. He has sold millions and millions and millions of books. He's a mystery writer, thriller writer. He's been on the show before. On the 23rd, Christine Anderson will be back. I know she's a fan favorite. <laughs> I get it. Uh, so that should be fun. And I have a couple other announcements uh, that I'll make probably closer to the date. But until then, we'll see you next time on Black Bolt. Black Bolt. Black, black, black Bolt. leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have faults. He had the same amount of faults as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.